0: Welcome to Business Line Podcast. The NDA has retained its power in Bihar with 125 seats. How will this impact the state at large? Our political editor, Purnima Joshi, gives us more details. After a closely fought election, the ruling coalition is back in Vihar. The NDA has got a clear majority of 125 seats in the 243-member assembly. The Grand Alliance of the Opposition has failed to make the cut, with 108 seats, although its dominant partner, the Rashtri Janata Dal, is the single largest party in the assembly with 75 seats and the highest vote share of 23.1%. The Chief Minister's chair will ironically go to Nitish Kumar again for the fourth term, although the JTU, his party, has come down drastically in terms of number of seats. The JDU had won about 71 seats in the 2015 elections, and now its tally has gone down to just about 43 seats. So in the assembly, the BJP has the larger number of seats, 74, and it is the bigger partner in the ruling coalition, but Nitish Kumar will still get to form the government, although he has got only 43 seats. He was projected as chief minister. He's the incumbent and his candidature was supported by the prime minister. Also, the BJP can hardly afford to dump him because they need his 43 seats. BJP doesn't have enough seats on its own to form the government. It's not in a position to form the government with just 74 seats, even if it aligns with its smaller partners like the Hindustani Awam Morcha or the Vikas Chil Insan Party. Both of them have got about four seats each. And the Lok Janti Shakti Party, led by Chirag Paswan, which was touted as a big rising star in this politics, has only done what it aimed to do in the first place, is to bring down Nitish Kumar because he targeted him relentlessly in the election. Also fielded candidates that cut into Nitish Kumar's share in all the seats. That he contested. But Lokjant Shakti Party is in no position to support the BJP tangibly because he's got only one seat. He's not failed to win seats, although he's damaged JDU and also the RJD in some places and the Congress. That is one part of the story. But this has been a unique election, not just in terms of the first to be held after the COVID-19 pandemic, but also in what is called the post-Mundal development discourse. So if you look at what the observers of Bihar's very complex socio-political matrix call it, it's a caste plus development election, because the main election plank of the opposition was unemployment. Although in terms of seed distribution, also mobilization of the cadre, the RJD's thrust was on the Yadavs, who formed the main social base of the party. The BJP and Nitish Kumar also typically tacitly sort of arranged the extremely backward caste-upper caste combination, while at the state level, both the Prime Minister as well as Nitish Kumar talked mostly about development, rule of law, infrastructure, etc. So, Nitish Kumar did his own brand of functional social engineering that he's engaged in, of aligning the EBCs with upper castes who come with the BJP. And he's also favoured by the upper castes in terms of the stability and rule of law and sobriety that he has somewhat ensured in the governance pattern in the last 15 years. Although the PM has talked about taking Bihar to the next level of development and Nitish Kumar, how he has symbolized sobriety rule of law during the campaign, as opposed to Jungle Raj brought in by Lalu Prashad Yadav, the BJP has not completely shunned its own brand of identity politics, especially towards the end in Simanchal area, when the contest was tightening and Nasr Owaisi was making his presence felt. BJP relied on its own brand of identity politics and the Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Yogi Dityanath, if you notice, has travelled and campaigned extensively in Bihar, especially in the Saisi Manchal areas, and he's raised issues of CAA, NRC, even Love Jihad in the last leg of the campaign. And this is, some people even say that this gave the BJP the much-needed last push in the closely fought election, although the BJP's strength, as always, has been the cadre on the ground, its ability to ensure its voter gets to the booth and the last mile connectivity, as it were. But having said all of that, the most noticeable trend in this election remains what we discussed as the cost plus development narrative, which needs a bit of historical context in order to understand it fully. So one has to go back at least three decades, during which Nitish Kumar fought a very charismatic Lalu Prasad Yadav's brand of aggressive social justice. And he formed his own functional level of social engineering and combined it with government action and stability. So So Lalu's emergence, one shouldn't forget that he ruled Bihar for 15 years and people voted enthusiastically for him. And his emergence, his stability, his continuance in office for 15 years was significant socially, however much the media would like to deride him. But he did ensure social dignity, inclusion, that he signified for a whole lot of OBCs, lower EBCs, also the Dalits. Lalu signified that, while he also sort of not unfairly got identified with criminalization of politics, anarchy and corruption. So against Lalu, who kind of gave a social dignity to his own cadre, as also a vast majority of EBCs and OBCs, also a sense of security to the Muslims, because he did clamp down on communal riots, etc. Nitish Kumar pitted himself with a sober administrative appeal, and he identified himself with rule of law, stability over the years, and did his own brand of social engineering as well. So this election is crucial and also interesting in the fact that his brand of governmental action plus social engineering is now facing a challenge from Lalu's son ironically on a heightened pitch on issues of development unemployment particularly tejashwi yadav is promising 10 lakh jobs etc and healthcare tejashwi yadav did talk about his mismanagement of covid-19 pandemic the lack of healthcare in bihar etc so this kind of campaigning although people did disintegrate into communal and caste based and identity politics issues in some areas by and large this was a campaign focused on issues of development unemployment, healthcare, education, and so on, which is a positive sign in a state where there has been historical marginalization of the OBCs and SCSTs through some extremely brutal and discriminatory practices, such as the system of revenue collection called the permanent settlement. This has historically pitted the upper caste landlords Zamindars against their largely lower caste retainers in the state and has led to violent agrarian conflicts, caste wars, as also the class conflicts of the radical left-arm groups on one side and the landlord armies called Ranbir Sena, Sunshine Sena, etc. on the other side. And they had massacres in the villages of Lakshman Purbath and elsewhere till as late as 1990s. In this sort of landscape, the socialists have been the mainstream and the centre for the longest time, in fact, since the 60s. And people, leaders of the stature of Ram Manohar Lohia, Karpuri, Thakur, etc. They have mainstreamed the politics of positive discrimination, what is called the quota politics or reservation politics. It was championed and pioneered in Bihar in the 1960s. And Ram Manohar Lohia gave the famous slogan of socialist nebandi gant, Pichurapa. It laid the foundation for OBC reservation through the Mandal Commission much later. So, socialists, especially Lalu Prashad Yadav, focused on ensuring a sense of social dignity and self-worth to the OBCs. And to a large extent, that was seen as fair politics, as politics of social justice by a lot of people. But it's also a fact that Bihar witnessed its first slide it's really worst slide on all indices of social development and growth during Lalu's tenure. He was then challenged by Nitish Kumar successfully with his promise of governmental action and Nitish can claim some credit for marginal improvement in Bihar's socio-economic situation besides ensuring law and order and some basic connectivity in his three terms. Now Nitish is back for the fourth term and Bihar still faces enormous challenges not least because it counts among the worst performing states. Even in comparison to the rest of the Bimaru provinces around them. Bihar's gross domestic state product per capita is the lowest in the bottom five low-ranking states. Unemployment was, in a sense, natural campaign issue in Bihar given that the labour force participation rate in Bihar is the lowest among the economically active age group of 15+. plus. It also has the country's second highest youth unemployment rate. Bihar has the worst health infrastructure in the country with the state healthcare expenditure being the lowest. So, Niteshko Kumar is back again, but he can hardly rest on his laurels. There are enormous challenges ahead. That was Purnima Joshi giving us more insights into the recently concluded Bihar elections. For more podcasts, log on to www.thehindubusinessline.com.